0: All right, let's go to the Word, the first sermon of the year. Uh, we're going to go to 2 uh, Second Thessalonians in the New Testament, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I believe it's just one verse today, chapter 1, verse 11. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Pastor Paul just told me. 2 uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, Thessalonians chapter one, verse 11 and 12. I'll be reading for the ESV version, ESV Bible. Just a reminder that this is uh, the Word of God. Verse 11. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, first uh, Sunday together as a a church, Uh, that's exciting. I don't know, I think it's special that we got to spend Christmas Day together and that we also get to spend uh, New Year's Day together as well. And I know we've done this like a few times already, but can we turn to the people around us and just wish them a Happy New Year? Yeah, Happy New Year, or should I say, as the sermon is titled... Happy New Year, okay, that's my sermon title today. Um, Last week for Christmas Day service, uh, you might have been here, maybe not, the kids came up and they sang a a few songs, and uh, the last song they sang was like a Christmas uh, medley, and in that medley, the last song they sang was that song that we all know, uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and so we were practicing that with uh, Ruben, our son, and Zoe, and as we were practicing it leading up to the performance, Zoe kept getting the words wrong. Zoe kept singing, "We wish you a merry Christmas and a happy new you." She kept saying "Happy New You," Happy New You. I kept trying to correct her, but you know she wouldn't listen to us, and she kept saying "Happy New You." And then I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? That's right. Isn't that what we really want? You know, as this time of the year rolls around, isn't that what really excites us? It's not just that it's a happy new year; we're really excited that we might get a happy new. You, right? A happy new me, happy new, new you. We feel like, you know, we can turn last year's page around. You know, whatever regrets or mistakes we made, we're going to leave it behind. Whatever pains or suffering we went through, we're going to turn our backs on that, and hopefully this year will be better. We can change some things. We can try again. Right? We can, you know, maybe lose some weight, or we can be more effective, or we can do better at work. We wish that this year we might get a happy new us. I think that's, at least for me, why I feel so excited when the new year comes around. Not that it's just a new year, but that I can have a new me. And so as we hit the first day of the year, I don't know if you've done this, we tend to set some resolutions, right? New Year's resolutions. Goals where we say, this is what I want to achieve this year. This is what I want to do differently. Uh, This is what I want to see happen in my life. And so that's what I want to talk about today, this idea of New Year's resolutions. And I want to ask, should Christians have New Year's resolutions, right? Why should we have them? And I want to say, I want to give you the answer. Why should we have them? I want to talk about what kind of resolutions we might have. What's a resolution that's fitting for a Christian? Read your Bible, pray, you know, that kind of stuff. But can we do other stuff as well? And third, how should we approach our New Year's resolutions, right? So I want to talk about that. Why, the what, and the how. And so let's begin. Why? Why resolutions? As we sit here today, I'm sure some of us are are different uh, when we think about New Year's resolutions. Some of us, we think, yes, I love New Year's resolutions. You're very committed to them. Every year rolls around. You're very diligent in writing them down. Maybe you've got a process that you go through. But you're very determined to set your New Year Goals, Or maybe you don't just do it every year. You do it every quarter, maybe every month. But some of us maybe don't like New Year's resolutions. You think it's a gimmick. Maybe you think it's not Christian. Or maybe you've tried a few times and you failed, and so you've kind of given up on them. Right? Should Christians have a New Year's resolution? What I want to say is maybe. If you want to, you can. Right? You don't have to. But I think it's a great idea. This is what I want to say to you. If you've put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right, if you are a Christian, you already have a resolution. You've already made a resolution for yourself. For your whole life, right? Not a New Year's resolution. You have a new you resolution. Every one of us. We've been there. And we've made that commitment. And what I want to say is that new you resolution—that's what I'm going to call it. I know it's a little corny. That is meant to frame every New Year's resolution that we might make. So, what I—what do I mean by a new you resolution? You know, that feeling of a fresh start every New Year is kind of arbitrary, right? This day is not really different from yesterday. Right, the sun, it's the same sun. The air we breathe, it's the same. You know, the temperature hasn't changed too much. I mean, it's just another day. We've just kind of said this is the new year. But for the Christian, there was a moment in your life where there truly was a new beginning, a new start. There was a day when everything changed for us. But that was our salvation or our conversion when you were born again. 2 right, Corinthians, it talks about you know, what it is to be born again. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, right, so this is available to all of us, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Right? It doesn't say you were just improved. It doesn't say you had a- another chance. It says that you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Right, this is much more different than you know, what we feel today on the first day of the year. Right? Today we might feel like it's a new start. We might feel like we get a you know, fresh beginning. But again, that's just emotions. Nothing has really changed. But what is being described here in the Bible is that there truly has been a change in your life when you came to Christ. All of your past failures were truly wiped away. The Holy Spirit has done an internal heart transformation in you and is continuing to work in your life even now. You are a new creation. You are forgiven. You are now not who you were before. And so when you look at the Bible and it describes who we are in Christ, we are born again. We have new life. We are a new creation, right? Truly, you are a new you. And if you are a believer, that has already happened in your life. That should be that which excites us most. But it's not just that we have a new you, but in that moment, we made a new you resolution. Right? We didn't just get a new chance to do the same things we did before, just better. But when we came to Christ, we now began to live a different kind of life. We resolved, we determined to say, I used to live this way, but now Jesus, I will live that way. Right, you made a resolution at that moment. And you determined to live for and follow after Jesus Christ. That's what it means by the old has passed away. The old you has really gone away. The old loves, the old passions, the old addictions, the old things you used to live for, they're gone. And now, You are living for something new. That's what Colossians talks about. In these, you too once walked. right? You used to walk this way. You used to live this way when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its new creator. If you're a Christian, you've turned away from that old you and you said, Jesus, I'm going to follow after you. I resolve to follow after you. And that is what you are hopefully doing every day of your life. Every believer here has had this moment in their lives, this new you moment. And in that moment, you made a new you resolution. You stood before God in the light of your past sins and your failures. You pleaded that the blood of Christ might wash away your sins. And you declared to God, I will chase after you. And maybe you did that privately. But maybe you did that publicly in front of the whole church. When you were baptized or you were confirmed, you stood in front of the church and you made that resolution public. Uh, Maybe you, you put a hand on your heart. Maybe you answered some questions. Maybe you gave your testimony. But what you were saying was, everyone... This is my resolution for my life. I want to chase after Jesus Christ. That's what you did in that moment. And that is the overarching resolution that should drive our lives. That's like the banner over the rest of our days. This is why I live. It is for you, Jesus. And it is in light of that resolution that we might make our new year's resolutions, right? Does that make sense? That New you resolution should frame what kind of New Year's resolutions we might make. Paul says this in Philippians 3, right? He describes the Christian life. It sounds like what we hope to find in the new year, but he's talking about this is life as a Christian. He says, one thing I do, I'm forgetting what lies behind, right? That's what we want to do in the new year, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I Press on, he says, toward a goal. This is a resolution. I'm determined to keep pushing on for the goal. And his goal is the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Right? I'm fighting for that day when Jesus will call me to heaven and say, well, well done, good and faithful servant. So every day I'm living that I might see him eventually face to face. That's the Christian life. That's the Christian resolution. And maybe you sit there, but you're saying that's Apostle Paul. Right? He's like the Holy One. Right? That, that's for him, but not for me. But listen to what he says next. Let those of us who are mature think this way. He's saying it's not just me, but it's for every Christian who's mature. Right? Do you want to be a mature Christian or do you want to be an immature Christian? We all want to be mature Christians. And he says that's what you should be thinking. Living for God. And being completely sold out for him is not reserved simply for the apostles or the pastors or the missionaries. Paul is saying it's reserved for every Christian who wants to be mature. That's your goal in life. That's your purpose. That's the resolution that you have made. And so as we begin, I just want to remind you that is why you live. You made that declaration at a certain point in your life maybe today you should renew that commitment first. I'm not saying don't have New Year's resolutions, but recommit to that one first because that is the most important resolution you've made. Maybe with Joshua, make this your declaration. This is what he said. He said, Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. Make that your resolution as you begin this year. My first resolution that you might make. I will serve God. Remember how you felt when you stood before the church. Remember that commitment when you were baptized or confirmed. Remember how how your sin made you so sorrowful and you hated it. And how convicted you were to live for Jesus. And say, yes, I remember. I renew that commitment. Begin there. This is why we might make any sort of resolution, because we've already made one. And in light of that one, we make all the other ones. But the second point, what kind of resolutions then are we allowed to make? If we're living for God, the obvious resolutions are like, read your Bible, pray, commit to church, and they're great. We should do those ones. But I think the only ones, you know, we're allowed to do, I mean, if my life is living for God, can I say, I'm going to try to lose weight. Is that okay? I'm going to join the gym and exercise a bit more. Is that okay? I want to be more productive or effective. I don't want to waste my time. I want to do better at work. Are these kinds of resolutions okay? But what kind of resolutions are okay in light of that overarching New You resolution? Right? And to help us, I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians 10. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, this verse is found in a kind of complex context. And so it's worth maybe you in your time reading. It's about food offered to idols. And that's why it's talking about eating and drinking. But the concluding point, I think, is still the same like, as you read it. The concluding point is the Christian should decide, like approach what they eat, or they drink in a way that makes God magnified. And, and the way you do that, if you look in the context, is are you eating and drinking in a way that thinks about God? Have you thought about God in what you eat and don't eat and how you eat or don't eat? Have you thought about others and considered them in what you eat and don't eat? Or have you only thought about yourself? Right, The life that only thinks about themselves and puts themselves first, Paul would say, does not glorify God. But to glorify God, even in what you eat or drink, he says you should think and consider God. Is it for God? Have you thought about Him? And is it for others? And have you thought about them? That's what he's saying here. Now there's two things that we might take away from this. The first is that what Paul talks about is very basic. It's very common, kind of unspiritual, eating, and drinking, like they're everyday things that everyone in the world does every day. But Paul says, even what you eat or what you don't eat, or what you drink or what you don't drink, can give God glory. Isn't that a fascinating thing? Do you look at someone eating, like their lunch at work, and you're like, he's glorifying God. She's glorifying. You don't think that way, but Paul's saying you can. Isn't that amazing? Even, it doesn't just have to be church. It doesn't have to be reading your Bible or prayer that glorifies God. Even the seemingly unspiritual acts that we do can glorify God. Really, everything in life is meant to glorify God. That's the point. Read what Colossians 3 says. Whatever you do, right, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Right here, Paul is talking to uh, bond servants. But what he's saying is, as you serve your master, or for you at work, as you do your work that your, your, your boss told you to do, you're not just working for them. You're not just working for your company. You are working for Jesus. Every work that we do is ultimately for God. That's what he says. So give it all that you've got. You are serving Jesus, he says. Or in Colossians 3, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Again, what you find in each of these three verses we've looked at is the phrase, whatever you do. Whatever you're doing, it can be for God. If your heart is in the right place. Living out your new you resolution. Living for Jesus is more than what we do here. It's not just the Sundays, it's the weekdays as well. It's not just at church, but it's at home and at work. It's not just Bible and prayer, it's also what you do in the office, what you do with your family. All of these things can be for God. And so if that's true for my activity, it's true for our resolutions, even our resolutions even though they seem unspiritual, can be for God. Your eating resolutions, your drinking resolutions can be for the glory of God, right? But just because it could be doesn't mean it is. You need to ask yourself, have I chosen this resolution with God in mind? Does this somehow help me to live for God? Does this somehow help me to love and serve other people? Or is it purely For my own sake. The people on the outside can't tell. Just like when you see someone eating, you're not sure, are they worshiping God or not? You don't know. In the same way, when people look at your resolutions, they won't know, but you will know. Right? And God will know. Whether He was even in the process of you deciding what you're gonna try to achieve this year. Let me put it another way: Do your new year's resolutions help you to fulfill your new you resolution? Are they kind of connected at all? Do they help you to live for God, for his glory and for the good of others? You know, I read that the top three resolutions that people make every year are, can you guess? Number one, lose weight. Number two, it's connected, it's exercise. And Number three. It's something to do with finances, right? Handling your finances. They're the top three. I don't know if you're, when you think about what you might try to achieve this year, is it one of these? I know for me, it's like, yeah, okay, lose some weight. Here's the thing. Someone might choose to lose weight purely for themselves, right? And you can kind of understand this. I want to lose weight because I want to look good purely just to feel good. I mean, that's not a bad reason by itself, but if that's the only reason, That might be a bit selfish. I want to lose weight to gain compliments. I want to lose weight to impress other people. I want to lose weight so that when I take that photo and post it on social media, you know, it might look nicer. Right? If that's purely your reasons, that has no God in there, possibly, and not for the good of others. It's really for the good of yourself. But how does does a Christian then decide to lose weight? Right? What does that even look like? A Christian that wants to live for God might say this. I want to lose weight. Because I don't want my physical health or lack of be a limitation in my service to God. I know that sounds super holy. But if you want to live for God, you want to live a long life for God, an effective life for God, then you don't want your body to limit that. And it does not necessarily like that's what you think. But just generally, if you're living for God and you want to live as long as you can for God, I think that's just the general kind of thought process that you might go through. I want to be useful for God. I don't want to be so tired when I'm at home. So I want to be the best godly and serving and loving husband and parent I can be. And I know that I'm tired a lot of times. And so I can't be either of those. I'm impatient. And probably because I'm, I'm, I'm lacking energy. But I don't want to play with my kids. And I don't love them like I should because I'm tired. And that's physical health maybe. So I want to be better at those things for God. So you do those things. I know that exercise helps me think better at work. And I do want to do my work well, because God has gifted me in this area. And so, yeah, I want to lose weight. Do you see how God is a part of that process? It's totally different when God isn't. Now, it's the same resolution. Now, to other people, it seems the same. But you know how you came to that resolution. What about finances? Finances. Again, finances, you might decide that you will handle your finances better this year purely for yourself. Because I want to have more money to buy more things, to splurge on excess that I don't really need. I want to boast in front of people and say, oh, you earned that much. I earned the similar or I earn more. Or maybe you find your identity in those things, right? I think if that's all it is, God's not in the picture. But maybe it could be. I want to be better financially positioned to bless other people. To give to people who are committing their lives to go overseas and making a big sacrificial cut. I want to help people like that who are going on missions. I want to be better positioned to be hospitable. And invite more people over and just be generous to them. Maybe to bless other people and take them out. But do those thoughts even come into your mind when you think about your finances? Or if God is in the picture, maybe your resolution will be, I'm going to take a pay cut because I know my work limits my ability to love God and serve His people. And we wouldn't make that kind of decision if God's not in the picture most of the times. But maybe when God comes first, those decisions might be made. And I know people who've actually taken lesser paying jobs because they wanted to love God better, love their family, and love the people in their lives. And you know, I think our resolutions reveal a lot about us. Right? They reveal what matters to us. They reveal what we weren't happy with last year, but I think they reveal whether God matters to us. As you look at the resolutions you've decided or the ones that you might have chosen, do you find God in them? Because I think that might really um, say something about how you think about your life and whether God plays into those kinds of decisions and when you think about your year. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty I'm not trying to make us take our resolutions and twist them so we're like, oh, it's for God, you know. I think it's not about making our resolutions, you know, become about God, but it's really to begin with God. And if you find that your resolutions don't have God, then then maybe it's saying something bigger about your life. And to step aside for the resolutions from a bit and for you to, again, renew your new you resolution and say, God, I want to live for you. I want to make my life about you, not just my year. But my decades and the rest of my life. And from there, ask God, now what do you want from my you? Right? I want us to think about that. So why do we have resolutions? Because we've already made a big one before God when we got saved. What kind of resolutions can we have? They can be basic ones as long as God is in the picture. But this is really important. Number three, how. How might our resolutions be achieved? Now, in the midst of all this talk about resolving and determining and being, you know, deciding what we're gonna see happen in our lives, this is really important. Who accomplishes the resolutions you make? And the answer is God, obviously. But I think human nature tends to fall on one of two extremes. Some of us we're undetermined, like you, you don't have. The drive to be like I want to see this happen in my life. I want to see this change, and maybe again because you, you've you've set resolutions before and you failed. And I think that's one extreme. On the other extreme, though, if we're not there, I think we tend to be self determined, right? If we're not undetermined, we're self determined, and we're like, yes, I'm going to see this happen. I'm, you know, I believe in myself, and I'm going to radically transform. And like we we believe. in in ourselves and our willpower and our ability to get things done. But I think both of those extremes aren't helpful to us and aren't pleasing to God. The the Christian approach to resolutions is like a a little bit of neither and both. The Christian approach is that we set resolutions and we determine that we're going to try our best and yet we acknowledge every step of the way that only God can make that happen. That's how we should approach resolutions. Right, look at the way the Apostle Paul talks about his life. He says this, I worked harder than any of them. Right? This is a, this is a person who's driven. Right? He get, wakes up every morning, doesn't waste his life. Is that like, I want to work harder than the person next to me. I want to do more than the pastor down the street. I want to plant more churches than that other guy. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I worked harder than any of them, though, It was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Now, verses like this, I think it's like a paradox. It doesn't really make sense. But the Bible talks about it like this a few other places. This idea that we give it everything that we have, and yet from the beginning and the middle and the end, we're completely acknowledging it is God. It is God's grace. It is God's power at work in me. It's not me. It's God. Now, I want to give everything I have, but it's God. And so I'm praying I'm running to him, I'm depending on him, and at the end of the day, I'm giving him all the glory. All right, that is how we approach it. I think this is where we actually get the song, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Though it was not I, right, but the grace of God that is with me. 2 Thessalonians, the passage that Peter read for us, it says the same thing. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. And that our God may fulfill every resolve. Now there's resolve here, that's resolution. Resolutions have been made, people have determined things. I'm going to see this happen, but it's not me that fulfills a resolve. What's he say? It's that our God may fulfill every resolve for good. And every work of faith by His power. And so we see those two things here in, in, in this passage. We do resolving well, We are doing the resolving, that every resolve for good, there is a work of faith, he says. But though we do the resolving, God does the evolving, right? That's the best I could come up with. Right? God is the one who actually makes it happen. God fulfills every resolve, and it is by His power that He makes it happen. And so on the one hand, I think it's great that Christians are driven, that this time of the year we re- recommit our lives again to live for God, And then we might look at our year and say, these are the things, God, I desire to see happen. And not be defeated. And not be lazy. But like the Apostle Paul, I work hard. And yet, we know that it is God that is going to do the work. This is important because if we don't get this right, we will fail. We will fail by failing. Failing. Because right, it's, if it's God's power, that is work, and I'm not relying on his power, then we shouldn't be surprised if most of our, of our resolutions will fail. Right? You couldn't do it on yourself, by yourself anyway. You needed God. But not only will we fail by failing, we will fail by succeeding. I know that sounds weird, but this is what John Piper says, right? There has to be a Piper quote in there. He says, it depends, talking about resolutions, he says, it depends on what you mean by resolutions, right, whether they're good or bad. He says, if you mean declarations on what you intend to do by dint of willpower, then that will not only probably fail, but if it doesn't fail, it is not Christian either. So if it fails, it fails. And if it succeeds, it fails, because that is not what the Christian life is. If you begin this year determined that I am going to see these things happen, and you succeed in them, you've really failed in the eyes of God. You failed because that doesn't please God. God doesn't want you to do things just for Him. He wants you to do things with Him, by Him, through Him. He wants you to walk every step with Him. You will fail because you would not have grown in your faith. It is that daily journey of praying and depending on God and then seeing God show up that grows our faith. You would not have grown your faith in Him. Probably you will grow your faith in yourself. Because if you see change, you say, well, look at what I did. Look at what I can achieve by my own strength. That's not the Christian life. Or maybe sadly, you will give up. Because you would have tried by your own strength. You would have failed and you would think, well, maybe I can't change. You can't change, but maybe God can change. Third, you will fail because you will not glorify God in the end. If you achieve your goals, at the end of it, you will praise yourself for the changes you've made in your own life. Rather than praising God for the changes He's made in your life, that's what we're meant to do. That's what the Second Thessalonians actually says. It says, "To this end, we pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling, that our God may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you." It's through that dependence on God that leads to us at the end of it to say, "God, you did that." I prayed, and I depended on you, and I knew I could not do it by myself, but you showed up. And so all glory to you rather than all glory to us. And that is why we live. That's our overarching resolution of life, to glorify God in all things. Let me conclude by talking about a guy named uh, Jonathan Edwards. I don't know if you've heard of Jonathan Edwards. He was... um, He became a famous uh, pastor, preacher, evangelist, a bunch of stuff, theologian, uh, philosopher. In the 18th century, he became well-known. He's well-known now. Um, But back in December 18th, 1722, he wasn't well-known. He was kind of a nobody. He was uh, a couple of months past his 19th birthday. And this 19-year-old Jonathan Edwards, he sat down uh, with, I think, like a journal, And he began to write what would become his famous resolutions. I don't know if you've heard of the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. You can look it up. It's free. He eventually put in the book 70 resolutions for his own life. And people, Christians and churches have read it and get inspired by it. Now, if you read through it, it has all the hallmark traits of what a Christian resolution should be, in my opinion. From the beginning, it's four God's glory, right? Why do we set resolutions? I said, it's for God. And his first resolution, even from the start, this is what he writes, resolved that I will do whatsoever, I think, to be most to God's glory. Again, that's what I said, we live for. When you got saved, that's, a, that's the resolution you made. I'm living for you, God. It's for your glory. Number 42 says resolved frequently to renew the dedication of myself to God which was made at my baptism again this is what I talked about that we publicly made it at our baptism or confirmation which I solemnly renewed when I was received into the communion of the church that's his confirmation or membership and which I have solemnly remade this 12th day of January 1722 it's that resolution that drove every other resolution in his life and again I think that. What I want from you is that you will re- recommit your new you resolution before God. But it's not just big things that he wrote. He has some small things. Small things that seem kind of ordinary, that if you take them by themselves might even seem uh, secular. You might find them in a self-help book or a productivity book. Right? Resolution number five, it's all about being efficient. Resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. Not to waste any moment of time, right? Non-Christians can say this. But he's a Christian writing it because for him, it helps him live for God. Or number 41, resolved to ask myself at the end of every day, week, month, and year, wherein I could possibly, in any respect, have done better. Again, this reminds me of Paul. Worked harder than anyone. This guy's like every day, every week, every month, I'm going to sit and think, what could I have done better? Could I have done better? I've worked harder? Could I have accomplished more? Again, anyone can make this declaration, but for him, it was all under the umbrella of living for God. So even those small things are okay, as long as they're in light of that big thing. Or resolution 40, hopefully familiar to us, resolved to inquire every night before I go to bed whether I've acted in the best way I possibly could with respect to eating and drinking. Right, again, eating and drinking can be for the glory even those small things. But how? You would think a person who sat down to write down 70 resolutions for his life was driven, and he was, we see that. He wants to be efficient. He doesn't want to waste a minute of his life. He always asks, could I do better? Could I do better? Could I do better? And yet, he knew that he could accomplish nothing without God. Before he wrote down any resolution, At the top of that journal, this is what he wrote. This is a small paragraph he wrote before he wrote down the first resolution. is what he wrote. Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. And again, this is how I think we should approach our resolutions, acknowledging we can do nothing without God. And that by His grace, He might help us to keep the resolutions we make. And so as we start this year, my encouragement to you is simple. It's three things. Number one, to remember and renew your new you resolution. Your commitment to Jesus Christ. To live for Him. To be sold out for Him. or To give the rest of your days for Him. Knowing that this life is short, and one day we're going to go to an eternity to be with Him. Knowing that all of the loss or sacrifice or pain in this life is short, and when we spend eternity, it will be perfect. In perfect bodies with no pain and no more tears. And so for this short life, God, it is for you. Recommit to that. And then second, make your New Year's resolutions. If you want, but in light of that first one. Maybe make some goals for this year. But keep God in mind in all of them. It can be about losing weight, right? I think for me, if I have enough willpower, if I think about it and pray to God and surrender it to Him, maybe I'll do that. It's okay if it has God in light of it. But then third, depend on God every step of the way. Work hard, harder than anyone else, but know that it is the grace of God in you that makes it happen, right? That's my charge for you as we start this year. Can we close our eyes and spend a bit of time in prayer? Again, as we pray before God, I want us to consider our lives and maybe the moment that we've, we gave our lives to Him, when we were born again, when we were convert, converted, when we became a new creation, when the old passed away and the new came, and we stood before God and we made that commitment to Him. Can you renew that commitment before God? That is the biggest and greatest resolution of your life. That is why you live That is why you're on earth. It's for His glory and for the good of others. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you that more than any other decision or resolution you make, more than any goal you might set for this year, being right with God is the most important thing. And so would you just spend a minute with God as well. And as you recommit your New New Year resolution, would you surrender this year to God? and depend on Him as you set goals for this year. So let's spend a bit of time in prayer. Let's pray.